is good to be here with you this morning. Before we begin, I want to say a couple things. One is I want to uh, thank uh, Don Neiman and Betsy Howden, uh, and I'm sure others as well, but who did the work on these banners that you can see to the left and the right, um, uh, and to all the other work. But I especially really love the banner and uh, the way in which this gets us into, helps to uh, create an atmosphere of Advent. And so thank you to both of you all for all of your work and the rest of you who helped out with that. Um, also, of course, because it is Advent, that means that there's a lot going on. And so it's already been mentioned, we have shepherd totes. We still have 150 left to do. That's a lot of work. So um, nobody leaves this place. The doors have been locked until we have that all done. So um, guys got nervous. Um, so please, if you haven't done one, we would appreciate you doing one. That would be great. This is for a very uh, worthy cause of being able to uh, help feed um, um, the kids uh, on the east side of Indy who may not have food otherwise uh, during, the, uh, during the Christmas uh, break. Uh, and then also, uh, Grabiel, John Grabiel, uh, who preached last week. If you were here last week, you probably have already done this. But if not, uh, we want you to um, pull out your phones uh, right now, even as we speak, uh, and and we have a ZPC devotional that we're going to be doing this year. This is something kind of different. And you can text the word ZPC Advent to the number 39970. And every day this, uh, during this Advent season, um, you will receive a devotional that's been written, uh, the vast majority of them, by folks like those sitting to your left and to your right. So, uh, And this will be a way for us just to kind of create a little space uh, during the kind of the busyness and the frenetic pace of, uh, of this season uh, to slow down just a bit, to read a devotional, to remember why it is that we celebrate. So I encourage you to do that now. ZPC Advent to 39970. Uh, and so please do that now. And and be able to just kind of join us, knowing that all, uh, all this month, all this Advent season, others of us will be reading these same things and being put uh, in the same place. Um, I, uh, we are going to be doing our Advent season this year, uh, or our series is called Longing for Emmanuel, and some of this is based off of a book by uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and so we're going to be uh, looking at different uh, elements of what Advent means, and, and we begin uh, today uh, by looking at a text from Isaiah, a prophecy from Isaiah, chapter 11, verses 1 through 10, and I invite you to hear these words. The prophet Isaiah says this, a shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. And righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. 
They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples, and the nations shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. Sisters and brothers in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God, and let us pray. God, we come to you in this beautiful season of Advent. We give you praise. I pray, Lord, that you would help us as a congregation during this season to reflect more and more on what it means that you came and what it means that you will come again. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen and amen. So, since this is the first Sunday of Advent, I thought it might be wise for us to remember what Advent is about. Uh, Like many of you, I have a feeling, I didn't grow up, uh, even though I grew up in the church, I didn't grow up with Advent. I always thought, as a kid, that Advent was just kind of a fancy way to say Christmas uh, that was celebrated by pretentious people who were more concerned with smells and bells and following Jesus slightly judgmental. And so, but as I've gotten older, I've realized, of course, that that Advent is about something much richer than that. Advent certainly is about looking back to the past and remembering the reality that Jesus the Christ came to earth. Advent literally means coming. It means how Jesus has come to the earth some over 2,000 years ago. And so we celebrate that. But Advent is also, of course, about looking forward, about looking to Jesus' coming again, to his return. And so we look back and we look forward, and in many ways, Advent flies in the face of how much and many in our society celebrate this month of December, because instead of being a time of frenetic activity, it should be a time of reflection and a time of waiting. And instead of being a time of asking one another whether or not you have been good or bad in this past year, it is actually a time to reflect with joy the fact that Jesus Christ takes our good and our bad and seeks to redeem it for his purpose. And instead of this just being a season where we try to flee from the real world, what we do during Advent is we celebrate the fact that Emmanuel, God with us, came in the midst of our very real world world. It's not that we are to be Grinches during the Advent season, but it is to say that we should not be content simply with the decorations and the parties and the lights. Rather, we realize that what we are doing during Advent is reflecting on how Jesus once came and on how he will come again. And our passage this morning on the book of Isaiah, on this prophecy of Isaiah, is a classic Advent passage. When it was written several thousand years ago, or proclaimed actually, of course it was all forward-looking. It was looking to the Messiah coming. That's what Isaiah is writing about. That's the shoot coming out of the stump of Jesse. It is, it, it is the Messiah. It is one who will, who will reign with wisdom, right? It's one who will reign with righteousness. 
And as followers of Jesus, we believe that that has actually happened. We believe that that's who Jesus was, that Jesus is the one who came in order to reign with wisdom and righteousness, that it is Jesus who has set us free. And so as followers of Jesus, we believe that that part of the prophecy of Isaiah has already been fulfilled, and we celebrate that. However, if you continue to read the rest of the prophecy of Isaiah that I read, it is clear that all of it has not yet been fulfilled. There are many beautiful pictures of what that is going to look like, but it isn't yet made realistic in our world. This is what the theologians, you've probably heard this before, is called the now, but the not yet. And Advent is a season of living in the now and celebrating the birth of Jesus and what has happened, as well as being honest about the fact that things are not yet exactly as they should be or as they will one day be. It is this not yet that Isaiah, I think, describes in such a vivid way in this particular passage. In many ways, what he's doing, he's not just kind of telling us. He, he is painting a picture, right? You know this probably, these, these words of wolves lying with lambs, of leopards lying down with goats, of cows and bears eating together, of lions that are eating not other animals but straw, right? Of a nursing child, a, the most vulnerable of all humanity, a nursing child playing over the hole of a snake. When we talked about this passage on Wednesday, I, I like what one particular staff member said, which is that as he read and heard that passage, it was as if all the tension was taken out of his shoulders. It is that sense of Finally, death and destruction and questions and hurt and pain and war and sin are abolished. The weight of the world has no longer been placed upon us. The tension is out of our shoulders. It's not too surprising that this particular painting of Isaiah has been echoed many times by the painters of our world over the last several centuries. Uh, there are a lot of paintings. I, I saw some of them this week. Here's, here's one right here. This is by John Swanson. You can see the child and the lion and the lamb there together, the cow there. You see the leopard over there to the right-hand side. And, and then this next one is a little bit even more vivid in color. Uh, it's kind of remarkable. I forget. Who is it? William Strutt. You guys probably already know that. But Billy, as he was known by his friends, this is, uh, this is a painting that he did, which again kind of continues to paint this remarkable picture. Uh, this next one is by Edward Hicks, and Edward Hicks actually did over 60 iterations of chapter 11, and again, you can kind of see this vivid picture of these ones that are never, you would never see normally living together, but now they are. Uh, and then this next one might just be my absolute favorite. It's a watercolor uh, picture there. This is, um, this is called Two Olives, uh, and 
if you haven't yet gotten me a Christmas gift, then this, you might want to add this to the list, um, because I thought that this one was, was, uh, was really outstanding. Uh, but, but all of these, of course, all of these paintings are trying to reflect the painting that Isaiah gives to us. Now, one of the other interesting things about that and about the, the way that Isaiah paints this picture is that it's very real. It's very tangible. A lot of times, actually, when we think about the coming kingdom, American Christians have been, I would say, in some ways, co-opted by Greek dualism. And what I mean by that is the Greek dualist would say, well, you have your body, and that's bad, and you have your spirit, your soul, and that's all good. And a lot of times, American Christianity, that's the way we, we see things. But that's not really the way, typically, in Scripture, at least, we see the coming kingdom. It's very real. It's very fleshy. It's very much animals sitting right there. It's very much children playing over the hole of a snake. These are real and tangible. And, and, and many of the painters, they get that. In fact, Edward Hicks, I just mentioned him. Here's another painting that he does. Uh, and, and if you look on the left-hand side of the painting, you see this group of men and it's a little hard to see it from this perspective. So if you zoom in on one of these pictures uh, in the next slide, uh, you can see what this is. This is a group of Native Americans, uh, and that's William Penn. And what they're doing is they're signing a peace treaty. And, and, and what Hicks understood is that this painting that Isaiah gives of the coming kingdom of God, that it is real and it is tangible, and we are invited right now to participate in it. This is not something something that we are to just simply wait around for solely, but instead that this is something that we are able to participate in. And when Isaiah paints this picture, he wants it to be so tangible that we can begin to see ourselves playing a role in what this not yet actually looks like. And so Advent is a season for us to remember what is coming and to ask in what ways might we play a role in that. But Advent is also about being a people of hope in the midst of darkness and destruction and sin and brokenness. Right? It's important to know that when Isaiah prophesied, he was not prophesying from a place of peace and power. There's some debate as to exactly what was going on when Isaiah did this prophecy. But by and large, it's thought to be during this 40-year period when the Assyrians were coming in and were conquering the Israelites again and again and again and again. In fact, there's a sense that really what Isaiah is doing is as he looks out over perhaps a battlefield where the Israelites have yet once again been slaughtered, as he sees kind of the stumps of life all around him, that he is prophesying prophesying to the fact that even amidst the darkness and the death and the destruction, there is, if you look at it closely enough, there is a shoot that is coming out of the midst of that. And this is so often the way that God works. And as an Advent people, we need to remember that, that God loves to work in the midst of death and destruction and brokenness and sin. Right? Isaiah does another prophecy, a very famous one that you probably know, where he's taken in a vision into a valley of dry bones. And the question that is asked of him is, Isaiah, can these bones live? And the answer to that question is... At least three or four people believe it. Yes, absolutely. These bones can live because with God, nothing is impossible. And throughout the scripture, you see this 
theme of God working in the midst of death or brokenness, in the midst of stumps, right? You see it with Abraham and Sarah, and her womb is barren. It is a stump. There is death within her womb. And then finally, when they are in their 80s or 90s, all of a sudden, a child is finally born. You see it with the Israelites who have been left for dead in slavery in Egypt, right? Thinking that nobody is there, that God has forgotten them. And then all of a sudden, Moses comes in in order to be used as God's tool. And all of a sudden, life is begun. You see it, of course, in the most famous example of Jesus the Christ who came and who lived and then who died and was in a grave for three days until finally he was raised from the dead. Again and again and again, we see how God works in the most deathly of, of, of environments in order to bring life. We see that, of course, continued to see that. I, as a pastor, one of the great joys that I have is being able to see life come in places where I thought that there might only be darkness or death, right? I mean, I see it in, in times with people who I know who have been far away from God and who have been far from ever thinking that they would ever go through the doors of a church and being able to meet them when they say there was no way. If you tell any of my friends, right, I told one story about this not long ago from a ZPC or any of my friends, you know, that they would see me in here, they would have told you that you were crazy. What a surprise it is all of a sudden to see life within that person, to see new life where only there had been death. I get to see it as a pastor a lot of times with, with, uh, in relationships, right? I get to be with husbands or wives who really their marriage was as good as dead. And yet to be able to see new life or oftentimes between parents and their children or between friends or brothers and sisters, these places where you think it is only the stumps of life and all of a sudden there's this new shoot that begins to develop. Right? At ZPC, we went through a pretty dark period, and one of the places that I get to see life is quite fun is when people who have left have returned, and you see the surprise on other ZPCers' face that person has come back, right? And you think we never, we thought it was over. We thought there was no way. And to see the joy, to see the life come out of that stump is always amazing to me. And it's something that I get to celebrate. We, we see this in our own personal lives, right? One of the stories or some of the stories that I share more often than not from my own life are those times when we see, when I have seen growth come out of places where I thought there was only death, right? When I talk about the stump, if you will, of my parents' marriage and the reality that that brokenness, the pain, all of that. When, when I'm able, though, to see in those moments where, where I'm able to kind of talk into and, and be able to listen to others who are going through the same thing, where they think there is only death, in those moments, I want you to know that out of the stump of a marriage over here, there's little, there's little shoots coming up out of that, that even out of that death, there are still moments of life. Right? When I've been able to share with others uh, about, about, about Megan and I when, when we had that miscarriage and, and, and the brokenness of that time, right, and the pain of that time, by simply giving voice to that, I can oftentimes in other people's stories see little sprouts of life beginning to come out of the midst of that very dark period. Whether it's job loss, whatever it may be, there are those moments in most of our lives as we look at those stumps that we see hope. We continue to see life. And in those moments, it is this vision of Isaiah that should come to our mind. And the reality that at some point, 
that what is will not always be, that at some point the vulnerable will be protected, those who are at war will be at peace, that the broken will be healed, that relationships will be restored. At some point, the tension of our shoulders will be relieved. Advent is a time for us to remember what has come and to remember what will be. Advent is a time for us to be invited into participating in the coming kingdom. Advent is a time for us to remain at hope always. But Advent is also a time that is about creating space to admit that living between the now and the not yet is oftentimes incredibly difficult and painful. One of my favorite parts of this passage, I hope that you, that you got a sense of the beauty of it, is Isaiah giving voice to the stump. What you notice is Isaiah doesn't get in front of the stump and cover it up and say, there's nothing to see here. Look over there. There's a new shoot over there. Everyone, divert your eyes from the stump of death and destruction and sin and brokenness. Look over there. Nor does he say a plow will come in and will rip apart the stump. It will no longer be there, and all you will see is the new growth. Isn't that wonderful? No. Isaiah gives voice to the reality of the stump that was in the life of Israel, that was in his life, and that is, quite frankly, in all of our lives. Advent is an opportunity for those who have the ears to hear to admit that living amongst the stumps of our own landscape is not easy. And these stumps of death and destruction and brokenness and sin are everywhere. Whether it is the brokenness of a divorce, the loss of a miscarriage, the economic injustice that we see, these stumps are everywhere. We've seen it, right, just in the last few weeks. Right? I mean, my word, if there is one more sexual harassment case that is brought up, it is remarkable. I am naive. And every time I hear about that, here is what I am reminded of. Let me remind you of this. In the same way when we talk about generosity and we talk about the importance of realizing that everything you have is not your possession, but is something to be handled with grace as a gift that it is, I did not think that I also needed to say, but I think I do now, that when you look around at the people with whom you work or the people with whom you live or the people with whom you play, I want you to know no, they are not possessions for us to own. They are gifts for us to treat with respect and with love. Because the sad thing is, as much as all of those things are happening publicly, I know that there's a lot more of that going on in the midst of most of our lives. And I want us to remember the stump of that and to remember how we are to look at one another. We see the stumps and the loss of life just in these last two weeks. A 42-year-old man that many of you knew here in Zionsville, a father, a husband, right, who passed away most unexpectedly. 
or a mother who just a few days ago passed away as well, two children still at home who died from cancer. And you see those, and the questions, of course, are why. And these are stumps that are in our lives, and we don't understand. Right, or Megan and I, last Sunday night, maybe you watched this on 60 Minutes, it was this episode on, on, on Syria and hospitals that get bombed and the children then who are killed, and we watched that, and there is nothing to say. We wonder, what do we do in the midst of that? As the Christmas season comes, here's what I know happens. We have traditions, many of us, right? And so we go about those traditions, and as we do so, the vast majority of us know that there is not somebody sitting there that should be sitting there. Whether from a relationship that's been broken or from a death, we will know, we will feel the missing part of that. We will feel that stump, and we will wonder, what happened? Why is that stump there? And this Christmas season is unlike any other season, it seems to me, where the vast majority of us, so many in our society, do everything we can to act as if it isn't there. We love Christmas because it takes us to another place. And so we have our own stumps, and, and what we do is we, 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 we then we decide that, well, you know what, in this stump, I'm going to put some Christmas lights around the stump, right? And I'm going to hope that the bright lights kind of hide some things, and then I'm going to put some speakers on top of the stump that's going to blare out Christmas carols, right, in the hopes that nobody will hear this. And the, if that's not good, well, what we're going to do is we're going to get really busy, and so we're going to put to-do lists on everything, and here's what we're going to do in order to get frantic with things, right? And if that doesn't quite seem to have the stump go away, let's have a party. So we start giving gifts, and we do all these things in the hopes that we can hide the stumps, the death, the destruction, the pain, the brokenness in our lives. But here's the problem. On December 26th, all those things go away and the stump is still there. We are not called as followers of Jesus to sit there as if we have no hope in the midst of that stump, but we are called to be a people who cultivate our abilities to realize that this season between the now and the not yet is a season for us to wait. We are not good at waiting. It's always fascinating whenever something difficult happens. Let's say it's a death. What do we end up doing? We end up trying to think, how can we quickly move beyond this death? How can we fix this? How can we answer these questions as fast as possible so that we don't have to think about it anymore? Right? We are incredibly adept at not waiting in the midst of the brokenness that is all around us. But as followers of Jesus, we are called to remember that there are these stumps in our lives. And as a people of Advent, we are called to understand what it means to wait, to not fix everything, to not think that everything is just going to be great, to not think that we can just chop the old stump down there as if it never happened, but to realize that, yes, the stumps are going to be there. And so we practice 
waiting. We cultivate our ability to wait, knowing that at one point, finally, our questions will be answered. At some point, our pain will ease. At some point, our brokenness will be made whole. At some point, the world will be restored. We wait with expectation and hope, but we do wait. And sometimes we see the sprouts begin, the shoots begin to grow out of the stump. And sometimes we will wait and have to wait until Jesus returns. We do not wait without hope, but we do wait. Oftentimes, much longer than any of us would prefer. You may realize this, but there's not actually a lot of really famous Advent songs. My guess is, is because we're not very good at waiting and we don't like Advent songs. We prefer Christmas carols. The most famous Advent song is the one that we've already sung. We're already done, basically, with all of our Advent songs. That's O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And almost every time that I hear that song, I am taken back to a particular place. I'm taken back to the sanctuary at Heritage Presbyterian Church where I served in the Chicago area. I've talked a bit before about this particular congregation. It was the first church I served. But I have to be honest with you, when I got there, it really felt in many ways like the church was dead. There weren't that many people that were there. There didn't seem to be that much passion about Jesus. There wasn't that much liveliness. I, I mean, when I, when, when I preached on Sunday mornings, I, I, I don't think it's too harsh to say when I looked out there, it felt like I saw a bunch of stumps. And I mean, you think I get loud now. You should see myself whenever I'm trying to make a stump move in one way or another. And it was incredibly depressing. I felt isolated. I wondered, why am I here? I thought, I shouldn't be a pastor, or maybe I just shouldn't be a pastor here. It was remarkably difficult. So one of the practices that I began to develop was that every day when I came into church, it was a small church, so there was usually nobody else around, I would go into the empty, small sanctuary, and I would take out a hymn book, And I would open it up to the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And I would begin to sing it. And I would walk around the sanctuary singing all of the verses. And then I would always end up right here in front of the Lord's table and finish the song. And the reason why I love that song so much was not because it denied the realities of the world, but because it spoke right where I felt like I was without allowing me to give up hope. So I would sing the song. O come, O come, Emmanuel. And ransom captive Israel, who mourns in lonely exile here. And every time that I sang, who mourns in lonely exile here, 
all the realities of my life would come to my mind. The depression, the worried about being isolated, the wonderings what was going on, the thinking that God had forgotten me. But then, because I'm someone who has to finish a song if I've begun it, I had to continue, even in that stump. Until the Son of God appear, rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. And I would sing that song in those moments because there was no one around as loudly as I could. Not necessarily because I saw it, but because I hoped it. That it would come into reality in some way. And every day, every day I came in, I sang that song. And some weeks... Some weeks I would sing the song and I would sing rejoice absolutely to the hills because that week I had seen a shoot come out of a stump. And some weeks I would simply stop if I could at the who mourns in lonely exile here. But I kept singing because as followers of Jesus and as an Advent people, that is what we do. We don't pretend as if there aren't stumps, as if there aren't death, as if there isn't darkness, but we sit there in the midst of that and we wait and we hope and we believe and we expect that God will work. It may not be right when we want it to be. It may not even be when we are alive, but we believe that at some moment Jesus will return and all will be made well. But in the midst of that, we wait. And on this first Sunday of Advent, I don't care that we're going to go long because I want you to know that I want us to embody this for just at least two or three uncomfortable minutes. Because very soon when you leave this place and your week continues and you get closer to Easter, Easter, you get closer to Christmas, You will not take the time, most of us, to wait. So I want us to be still. And I want us to wait. Let's pray. God, we rest in our hope and in our belief that you have come in Jesus the Christ and that you will come again. This is not always easy for us to believe as we look around and see the stumps that are in our world and in our lives. But I pray, Lord, that you would help us to see amidst all of these stumps that our call so often is to wait.
sisters and brothers in Christ, as a people who wait. We wait with hope and expectation because we are reminded that Jesus has come. We are reminded that in the midst of death and destruction, in the midst of the stumps of this world and our lives, that even in his death did his resurrection bring us hope and life. So we gather around this table this morning, remembering that we are a people of the now but the not yet, remembering the one that has come before us and the one who will come.